241. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So today is the first day of the New Testament, right? Uh, Give yourself a round of applause if you've uh, been with us from the first day or if you joined us yesterday, right? We are super glad that we are here in the new T. Remember, this is a modified chronological plan. And so there's no better place for us to start than with uh, the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Christ. Uh, Just a little bit about the New Testament and about um, the book of Matthew before we jump into the book of Matthew and the New Testament. Um, You know, what happens in the Gospels? So we'll start with the Gospels, obviously, because Jesus comes to us in the Gospels. And what happens in the Gospels is extremely important for the entire Bible, right? Because every uh, part of the Bible flows through, out from, or leads up to the Gospels, right? So In other words, the Old Testament is an anticipation of what begins in the Gospels. Acts is the proclamation of what begins in the Gospels. Paul's epistles are an application and interpretation um, of what begins in the Gospels. And Revelation is the consummation of what begins in the Gospels, right? And so uh, just trying to orient your mind around the centrality of these four books as we read them. Another thing I want to say, and I can't get into too many details here because of time, Um, And I already have a lot to say (laughs) on Matthew. But another thing I want to say is that um, the New Testament era is the last days. According to the New Testament's own uh, attestation, right? It is the last days. Read Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. In the last days, the Messiah will come, right? And so we, we, we have that reality come into fruition here in the book of Matthew and in the New Testament. And all that entails. Um, And so uh, the thing here that Matthew is going to point out is that Jesus is the long awaited king from the line of David. Right. He is going to fulfill God's promises and usher in the kingdom of heaven, Matthew says, um, uh, or the kingdom of God. And uh, in terms of Israel, what they believe. They believe many of them, not all of them, many uh, Israelites and many Jews, especially as you move into the second period, uh, second temple period after the uh, end of the Old Testament. Um, many Jews believe that in the last days that there will be a Davidic Messiah, right? There will, there will be someone, a king from the line of David in fulfillment of Second Samuel 7, in fulfillment of, 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 of Psalm or not Psalm, Isaiah 11, in fulfillment of First Chronicles 17, in fulfillment of all of these texts and different passages. A Davidic Messiah will come and reign on earth and subdue, uh, subdue his enemies and usher in God's kingdom. And so you see that happen here in Matthew. And that's how Matthew's whole point. But Matthew also is known for these long discourses, right? So uh, he's going to have these five big blocks of teaching where Jesus is going to be a, a teacher. He, he will be an interpreter of the Torah. He will be a teacher of the law. And these first five books uh, parallel the first five books of the Bible or the Torah, right? And so Jesus, in some ways, is seen as um, uh, a type of a figure of Moses, right? Um, as well. So you have the David imagery, the Moses imagery, or the David lineage, excuse me, the Moses imagery, the Israel imagery. You'll see so much. Um, but 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 what many scholars have said is that the Old Testament, listen, the Old Testament was a story or is a story in search of a conclusion. And Jesus is the one who brings that conclusion. So it's just important for us to locate Christ in the storyline of the Bible. He isn't just this random savior, miracle worker who drops out of thin air. But the text of Matthew starts like, starts like this. An account of, gene, of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The very first few verses of the book of Matthew summarizes the entire 
Israelite history so far. And it goes to do goes on to do so even further in the genealogies. And what he's saying is this when you when you when you look at these key people in the genealogy, right, and the promises given to them, this will help us make sense of the story and Christ's place in it. And what's cool too is that at the very beginning, in the very first verse, he says an account of the genealogy. The word for he uses for for for, for genealogy is a word that really uh, can be interpreted interpreted as a genesis, right? He's usually he's saying uh, that this literally is a new beginning, right? These are the last days, but it is a new beginning that God is is bringing through His Son, who is the Christ. And so as he goes on throughout the genealogy, it's super important because genealogies usually start. Listen, genealogies usually start with the oldest ancestor. Here it starts with Jesus to show us that he is the most important person in this history that leads up to him. And it, and it goes with David and, and, and Abraham and to 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 to, to everybody else. Um, and it's interesting, too, because like when you go back and you read the story as we've been reading for the past few months you see that everybody uh in this story's lives were like really jacked up <laughs> and so you learn that jesus uh comes from a muddy pedigree right like and he comes from a muddy pedigree to show us god came to save a messy people now it's funny because genealogies in the ancient world were seen as like resumes right and so jesus is uh one who like self-identifies right like and if jesus is the son of god which the bible will say he is who existed in eternity past he he got to pick his ancestors <laughs> and he chose to identify with such muddy uh muddy people uh to show he came to save them as well but the, the, the main point of the genealogy though is that it wants to show us that jesus is not just some random jew who comes from the line of david he is actually a king right and if you look at the genealogy look at verse five it says um boaz father obed obed by ruth or father obed by ruth obed father jesse and jesse father king david now it's interesting because um when you look at the rest of the genealogy nobody else is called a king <laughs> david is the only one called a king even though his sons actually that followed him were all kings right and so the next person that is called a king is the Christ. Look at verse 16. It says, And Jacob father Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Christ. Now, it's interesting because, uh, one, uh, uh, it, it, the, the text is at pains to show that Jesus doesn't have a, a human father, right? The very word who uh, in this text is uh in the it's feminine right in, in greek it's feminine and it wants to show that uh mary is the one who gave birth to jesus right the who is not for joseph the who is actually for mary and it says who is called the christ most of us think of jesus's last name being christ right so we call him jesus christ but jesus is the christ so in other words christ is not a last name it is actually a title it is a royal honorific it is a kingly designation it is saying that he is the lord's anointed and appointed one from the line of david who would bring in the kingdom of god so when you see christ you need to think the kingly imagery that is associated with it now the end of chapter one i'm moving fast because there's so much to say the end of chapter one you see that everybody else gets a line. Jesus gets an extended <laughs> birth narrative uh, as it talks about how he came into the world. Right. And so the thing that the text, though, is that pains to show is that he was born of a virgin. Right. Jesus was born of a virgin. Now, this doesn't get a lot of like reflection. You don't hear a bunch of sermons on, the, you know, the virgin birth, um, especially uh, in certain circles, especially uh, I, I can I can speak from my own experience. I haven't heard not one. Um, but uh, I, I think. You know, and, and we don't have time to go there, but this has like there's so many implications of um, 
uh, Jesus being born of a virgin. And I think the main one is this, or a very important one is this. Man, listen, man needs a redeemer, and yet it can't produce a redeemer, right? It Man needs someone to save them, but it can't produce a savior, right? Man needs someone namely God to intrude from the outside and enter in to enter in and to rescue them right and it's so comforting and it just gives us so much uh 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 so much it tells us so much about uh, God's character and the gospel and the good news of what he's trying to do in the world is that he sent a redeemer through uh a version and um, man, there's so much I can say about this text, um, you know, um, but I think here uh, again, the kingdom of God is coming by God's supernatural means. Right. It's coming by God's supernatural means. Right. If, if, if Matthew is at pains to show that, that Jesus is bringing the kingdom of heaven, it is coming by supernatural means, not by our own feeble efforts. Chapter two comes. I got to move so much in Matthew. I got to move, though. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. Uh, chapter two. <laughs> and we see the king's power, right, as an infant. And he can't even roll over yet without someone helping him. But these Gentile Maga, right, these people from the east are coming and bringing gifts to baby Jesus. Now, it's not three of them, uh, but they bring three gifts. So that's a, a common misconception. You'll thank me later. Right. But they bring these three gifts to baby Jesus. And um, it's interesting because Isaiah actually says that uh, in the in the last days that the Gentiles will bring uh, gifts to Jerusalem, right? To the king, um, to the king, the Messiah that will be born. So uh, they bring these gifts and King Herod is king over the Jews in this uh, jurisdiction. He is, he is uh, quote unquote, king of the Jews under Roman authority in this time. And he is this power hungry, insanely paranoid, uh, kind of wicked king. And he tries to low key have, not low key, high key, have Jesus killed, right? He tries to have all the infants killed uh, in Judea, which would include the one who is Jesus. Now, it's interesting because what happens is this. Jesus goes into Egypt right when or the Lord comes to Joseph in a dream and he said, yo, go to Egypt because they want him killed. And he goes to Egypt. Now, it's interesting because if you remember the Exodus story, remember the Exodus, Exodus chapter one, Pharaoh wanted all the babies killed. He wanted all the Hebrew boys killed. They were uh, uh, um, uh, 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 being fruitful and multiplying. Right. And Moses was one of those one of those children that uh, was saved out of that massacre. And so you see the Moses like imagery here with Jesus. And then Jesus goes into Egypt, right? He's, he goes into Egypt, then he's brought out. And then the text says, it quotes Hosea 11, right? God brought out his only son. And so Jesus is re rehearsing. Listen, Jesus is going to rehearse the story of Israel in his own person, showing that he is the fulfillment of all the promises of Israel and that he succeeds where they fail, right? He succeeds where they fail. And so uh, Matthew chapter two, is basically just trying to show that show us this and that all of those all of all of Herod's plans right in the past before the Bible uh, so much uh, history you can read about there all of Herod's plans to have someone executed worked right they worked but this one this one does not right and what we learn already is that God is sovereign fam God is sovereign he brings about his rule and reign with his kingdom and it can't be stopped right so so many of us today may be going through whatever I don't know but his God's rule and reign and his plan for his kingdom to flourish on earth cannot be stopped right it can't be stopped Matthew 3 Matthew 3 comes um I said it before, but in the last days, uh, uh, Israel believed that in the last days, Elijah would come, right? Elijah would come back and prepare the way of the Lord. Look at verse four. Now, John, 
Matthew 3, 3, 4. Now John had camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. It's interesting. It's interesting because the New Testament authors assume, you know, the Old Testament. This is the exact same thing Elijah was wearing in 2 Kings uh, 1, verse 8. Right before he, uh, you know, passes the prophetic mantle onto Elisha and he tells Cat. Uh, so, so John the Baptist comes and he is the Elijah here. Right? He is the Elijah to come. So, 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 so in their mind, it would have triggered the last days. Oh, Elijah has come already. So the Messiah is coming. God is going to show back up like he promised in the book of Isaiah and in the prophets. Right. And so the king is coming. So uh, uh, John the Baptist says, yo, repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. It basically means it's here, right? Uh, uh, their ears would have understood that, right? The kingdom is here. It is the last days. It's time for it, fam. And so uh, Jesus is going to pull up. He sh He comes. He shows. He shows up. And, and John the Baptist is the one who um, baptizes Jesus. And look how the baptism is described. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to, Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And yet you come to me. Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fill our righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. Here it is. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him and he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well Please. There's so much imagery here that we could spend the whole podcast talking about this. But back in the Old Testament, if you remember, uh, kings were anointed by the prophets. Right. So you have uh, Samuel anointing King David and God's spirit being on uh, King David. And you see the same thing here. And this is just to show that he is God's anointed and appointed man to carry out this task. And so in this text, though, it doesn't just say that he was a king anointed and a spirit came down. It says the father spoke from heaven. Why is that important? Because Jesus. Jesus, as the son of God, has the father's stamp of approval to carry out his messianic task on earth. Right. And not only that, it's the you hear the father speaking, the son is present and the spirit is coming down. So you have uh, uh, the, the, the first kind of Trinitarian event here coming uh, uh, upon God's uh, uh, son. Right. The, the first Trinitarian event coming uh, in, in this text uh, so that God's son can carry out his messianic task. Um, so much here. So, so, so Jesus, he goes after this and he goes into the wilderness, Matthew four, right? He goes into the wilderness and, um, he is there being tempted by Satan. Verse two calls him the tempter, right? And, uh, the first thing he does is he tells Jesus to make stones bread. Jesus says, no, 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 check me out, fam. Man don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? And then he says, no, no, no. Like you, you know, scripture, I don't, I know scripture too. So he quotes Psalm 91 out of context. Jesus goes back at him with Deuteronomy, right? And then after that, Satan wants him to bypass the cross because, uh, that, that along with the resurrection is the way that Satan is defeated and the kingdom of God is inaugurated. And you see that, uh, Jesus is in the wilderness for, uh, 40 days, right? He's fasting for 40 days and it's so much imagery there, right? Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years and you see, uh, Jesus rehearsing the story of Israel and succeeding where they failed. Remember in the wilderness, right? Where, where, where the Israelites, uh, tested and were, were tested and were tempted and basically turned away, right? Like cats fell away from the faith, all kind of stuff. Right. And, uh, they, they, they didn't pass. Right. And you see Jesus here fulfilling 
uh, what his ancestors couldn't do in his own person. And then after that, too, like you, th you think about Adam, right? Like Adam was one in a garden, right? He was in a garden with everything he needed. And so the, the test he failed with Satan in the garden, you see Jesus passing with Satan in a desert, right? Adam had everything in a garden, right? Jesus had nothing. And you see Christ uh, being here, the representative for all of humanity that will bring about uh, a kingdom, right? one of life and flourishing uh, that no other human ever could bring. And this is why, listen, this is why we give Jesus all of the glory, right? Because God himself in the person of Christ comes to do for man what man could never do for him. Self. May we lift up Christ today in our hearts and in our lives. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would give us the grace uh, to remember Jesus, right? The one who did everything we couldn't do uh, and who is everything.